Welcome to The Defiant. I'm your host, Tegan Klein. I'm thrilled to be joined by Alex, the co-founder and CEO of Matter Labs, the initial team behind ZK Sync. Alex is a renowned physicist and entrepreneur, and today we dive into the founding story of ZK Sync, the launch of ZK Sync, why they chose to help scale Ethereum, and if they stand by that decision today, the ZK Sync mission, alpha around getting involved in ZK Sync today, when token, as well as new use cases on ZK Sync, and so much more. But first, Alex is going to tell us the founding story of ZK Sync. So the story really begins with uh, uh, my personal experience, like at least for me, um, uh, I grew up in uh, Ukraine, moved to Germany when I was, uh, I think, 20. And I experienced, you know, like growing up in Ukraine um, made me realize how important freedom is for uh, for the well-being, for the um, prosperity of, of the society at each level of the society. And uh, uh, I grew to appreciate freedom more and more and more and more. And um, at some point I saw Bitcoin and then Ethereum as the most promising technologies that can bring more freedom into this world, like make people really, truly sovereign in, in deepest sense, because the, the digital assets and digital identity is becoming more and more real, it's becoming more real than your physical uh, assets in, in some way. And controlling it truly, like having it in your hand is really important. And so I thought like this, this is, I, if this is the place where I really want to be. It's the intersection of the technology, which is one of my passions and, and freedom, which is the other one. And uh, I looked um, it, with Bitcoin, it, it felt like too premature technologically. It just didn't feel like, you know, like you cannot really onboard 1 billion people into it with managing their own seed phrases and storing it securely and using uh, Bitcoin. Like there was a lot of the CX issues, but Ethereum held the promise to actually deliver this potential of crypto. So I jumped right into it and I was looking into problems that um, needs to be solved in order for us to get to the real worldwide mass adoption of Ethereum. And I realized that scalability is going to be the most technologically challenging one. And then I learned about zero knowledge proofs and it was clear that it's a perfect match. Like this is how we solve scalability and we bring crypto in the hands of basically everyone in the world. Amazing. And you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it, but there are some core values. There's kind of a core ethos, if you will, of crypto. And there are many new people kind of entering this industry, especially with the NFT boom that we saw. What would you say to those newcomers on some of those core values? What are those? They are the values that originally come from the cyberpunk movement. Um, I've mentioned freedom, which is the overarching goal. Uh, but to get to this freedom from, from the technical perspective, you need um, things like trustlessness, um, permissionlessness. So like you, you should be able to participate without asking anyone, without the uh, explicit allowance from, from certain people or groups of people. Um, you want, uh, and which, which actually enables this in inclusivity everyone can be part of it and everyone can participate. Then you have um, um, security, because if it's trustless and permissionless, but you can be rock pulled tomorrow, uh, it's not really feasible as a, as a solution. It has to be secure, trustless, permissionless, um, self-custodial. You have to reach, actually own it. You don't want 
to hand your assets to someone else. So th those are the, the, the core principles that, that we build this technology on. Amazing. And I know it can be confusing for some because you have ZK Sync, you have Matter Labs. Break it down. What's the difference? ZK Sync is the protocol we're building. We had we started with version one, which is now called ZK Sync Lite, which was more a prototype to demonstrate, you know, to experiment with your knowledge proofs, show what's possible. And now we're focusing all of our efforts on the ZK Sync Era protocol. And Matter Labs is just the company behind it. It's a company, it's a it's an organizational forum that created these protocols and will eventually be just one of the many contributors into the this technology, this uh, the network that we're building. But it, it's actually, it's more than a network. It's, uh, it's very similar to Ethereum. It's a movement. It's like, it's an extension of Ethereum. It's scaling Ethereum to the extent of the real world, which is our mission. Like we like, and, 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 and we have a very clear vision how we get to this 1 million transactions per second or 1 billion users. Um, it's, it's a very clear path technologically, but it only works if the community organizes and solves the non-technical issues. And I think that it's very important that we have this idea of uh, community ownership in crypto. So like all the code we build is fully open source. Everything we do is uh, we try to rely to the greatest extent possible on cryptography and pure math and pure coding, which every, like with open source, everyone can verify them themselves so that we get to this trustlessness like avoiding the, the trust validators, at least for the most critical pieces of the of the puzzle, which is security and, and, and this trustless oh, resilience. By the way, the, uh, I forgot to mention one, one really important key property of, uh, of the systems is they are resilient, not just against potential attackers like your usual hackers and, and uh, whatnot, but against like very powerful forces of this world. Like you can understand, you know, if you have your Bitcoin on Ethereum key, the super nations like US, China and Russia and like all, all these countries combined cannot really decipher it if they use all the supercomputers of the world. It, it, it puts an individual in a very, very powerful position. So like resilience is, is one of these things and um, it comes with, uh, with this community that backs the system. Because if something goes wrong, you always... Like if like a matter matter labs is just a company, you know, like we, we could like something can happen to this company, it can get dissolved. The people can can get uh, evil, you know, like th this happens all the time. Over time, people change. You want the community to be the guardian of the values, and if something is is not working, the community should take the lead, fork the system, and keep it in you know like migrate to this new deployment and and keep everything in. On the path towards the values, towards the vision that uh, that was originally uh, created, and so like the community is really the key piece of the resilience point. Totally, and it feels like governments aren't really liking that we're giving so much power and control back to individuals. At least it seems at the moment, which is kind of interesting and ironic because at least here in the U.S. we used to be pro freedom, but it feels as though you know day after day more politicians on both sides are are advocating against freedom and, and for more control at the at the government level. Any comments or thoughts about that? Well, I think there are different politicians and some some are more pro-freedom. They are keeping this conservative or like not conservative, like this traditional uh, approach coming out of the spirit of the declaration of the U.S. independence. 
um, and, and the U.S. Constitution, uh, then there are, of course, opposing forces and there are a lot of incentives for those forces to, to be opposing. I think the only solution to this is for the citizens to demand to stand to their rights and actually enforce their rights and go and say, like, we're going to use this and we're going to be opposing, we're going to be calling our representatives and, and pushing this on the political side. But also, we want to create a something very resilient uh, on the technological and, and uh, societal side that the politicians can't really attack. And we have a few examples of where this popular movement actually won over the opposing forces with, with the politicians. Um, one interesting example, like very, which is very close to what we're doing, is the BitTorrent. You remember the war on BitTorrent, where like you have to pay one dollar per song to download it, in, like which was a completely unsustainable and, and, and like an unnatural model. And people just started using torrents to, to download the songs for free in in the in the kind of in the, in the movement of a protest. And then the companies and the, the these powerful copyright agencies had to give up eventually and come up with more um, like m modern things like, you know, like Spotify and Netflix models came out of it, which were much more reasonable. So the, this is this is what we want. We want to find a balance which is going to be more beneficial for the for, for the individual, for, for the people. And this is what's what's happening when you actually fight for your rights through the through the use of technology. This has been the history of human civilization and of technological progress for the past couple of millennia. Absolutely. And it's why censorship resistance at the protocol level is so crucial. And you mentioned that there are some non-tech issues that need solved. Can you double click on what those are? Just because there's this common misconception that you have to be an engineer to enter crypto, and that's not true. So maybe for an audience who is less uh, engineer-minded, what are those problems that need solved on the non-technical side? Well, we have... What we're building is the protocol. It's basically the IP of this new emerging internet of value, as we call it, like the, the Web3, where um, a network that, that is capable of transferring and programming value and things around value. So like our mission is just to build the, this, this basic layer, the, the basic brick of this protocol, which is like, you know, like what, what connects uh, different applications. Now, someone else has to build the applications. This requires a lot more work than just engineering work. You have to think through the problem. You have to talk to the customers. You have to understand their needs. You need to design the system, market it, uh, sell, and you know, like get investment, get to get a lot of people organized. So that's a lot of work, and there is a lot of like there are startups, there are companies that are building this. There are ecosystem services around all of that, and then there is a lot of. Um, uh, just general like uh, needs for educating people, uh, for uh, creating um, like learning materials, for talking to politicians, explaining all the things. Like it, it's a it's a very broad movement. Like even if you participate just by using these systems and and sharing some feedback and and putting your uh, money and stake in there, you you're already contributing. So it's it's really like it, it, it's a cycle that 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 gets you know like. This is what happened to the internet. In the early days of the internet, uh, a lot of people did not believe that it will take off. Some people were stating that internet will have no more impact on the world than a fax machine. You know, it, it was not obvious. A lot of companies were very late to embrace internet. They thought like no one is going to be purchasing things online. This is insane. 
No one is going to be doing contracts online. You need like a physical signature. And all of these things changed. So what, what I believe deeply is that Web3 is going to do to the world of value a similar thing that the internet did to the world of information. That you basically, everything that touches value will go on chain and will become programmable. Like from payments to trading to all the uh, stocks and uh, you know, like uh, assets that, that, that are tradable to property titles, to um, invoices, to like uh, bonus points and uh, tickets and, and so on and so on. And then like first these things will, will be just mimicking the world pre-blockchain. And then we'll see things that were not thinkable before blockchain. And NFTs is one of them, right? Like this is something like you can create a piece of like, you know, like you, you can put a piece of paper saying like you have a, a title to like this great painting, right? And then it could be tradable, but it was not possible before to have this piece owned by 10,000 people or to have a group of people with, with shared identity because they are part of this club. And now it's exclusive and now like maybe they, they share values and, and they could coordinate and, and actually like do some collective action. And it's all programmable and the rules are immutable or at least the rules are pre-agreed upon. And if you have to change them, you have to follow a certain procedure, which is enforced mathematically. Like this, this is amazing. Like this, this is the this innovation wave that will be happening. And uh, I'm really excited to see where, where it will get us. But it, it will definitely be something no one can envision. Like Vitalik, I think in some in one of the interviews said he did not see the NFT wave coming because it, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? It's it's like that that's what defines the great innovation, right? Where like it's unknown. I don't know what's coming. I know what I need to do to enable that, and this is what we're working on with uh, with with ZK Sync. We have our narrow focus. We don't want to go and you know we don't want to become like with Matterlabs with with the team behind the core team behind ZK Sync. We don't want to be something like Google or Facebook or like one of these huge mega companies with like thousands of people. We don't want to grow beyond like 150 people, like a small tribe where everyone still knows everyone else. We really want to focus on one thing and do it really, really well. And we want everything else to be done by others because we like it. It, it, it what, what it means? It's, it's the this Ethereum culture of uh, subtraction. This is what Ethereum Foundation promoted very actively and and is. Uh, following honestly through of like we have our thing this is our mission and we want to empower other people and other teams and other organizations to contribute to to build some great stuff on top of that so this is why zk sync will like initially as a movement i want to see it credibly neutral not taking sides not promoting certain projects over the others like this is what we will be like base building initially and we expect the community to embrace this value carry it forward and uh, we want to see other people building stuff on top of it and we actually see a lot of traction we see a lot of things being built on on zk sync now we have uh i think ten thousand, ten tens of thousands uh, of uh, smart contracts already deployed uh we have hundreds of projects that we know about a lot of them new a lot of them are existing ethereum projects that have like are just about to, to deploy you know, like a, a lot of the ogs the DeFi blue chips, the NFT blue chips um, are uh, in the process of deploying or have already deployed and like rolling out the applications. But we also see a lot of really interesting novel use cases um, in part because ZK Sync enables it. Like we, we, we have introduced some features 
and we'll always be introducing some features that you you will not see every, anywhere else that that are they unique to what we're doing there. So and we're we're really excited to see people using those features. Amazing, yeah. It's all about empowering the ecosystem and community more than one company. So it's great that you're kind of walking the walk and and talking the talk as well. Uh, and so you've been building for a really long time, and you chose to help scale Ethereum. And back then, you know, there were less layer ones. Do you still stand by behind the decision to support Ethereum as opposed to maybe other layer ones like a Solana, as an example? Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, uh, apart from the fact that we now have like uh, w more TVL than Solana at the moment, um, the uh, Ethereum ecosystem was an obvious choice because it shared the values very deeply with us. The values that we talked about previously trustlessness, resilience, um, uh, censorship resistance, permissionlessness, they are embedded into Ethereum architecture. Like all the design decisions that the Ethereum core team is making are judged against those principles very deeply, honestly. You know, like the Ethereum emphasizes decentralization over throughput because that's the job of the layer one to, to make the most resilient to most secure most decentralized network whereas i like in in my opinion decentralization is not a value per se a lot of people talk about like we, we want to decentralize we want a decentralized platform i think it's a means to an end it's an important means i, I don't know how else you can achieve that but to be truly resilient you need to decentralize at the technical level with hundreds of thousands of full nodes as ethereum and full you know like validators that ethereum network has and on top of that, with um, uh, a very broadly decentralized community with a lot of contributors, with a lot of organizations and teams and individuals and like stakeholders who are standing for Ethereum values and for, for this culture, this ecosystem. And so, yeah, Ethereum is focusing more than any other L1 on these core fundamental properties. Now, it lacks scale precisely because of these limitations. And this is our job with this additional piece of technology, which is really like the most, uh, one of the most amazing technologies I've ever encountered in my life in, the, in, in like in the way, in the beauty, how it's internally structured, which is zero knowledge proofs or succinct zero knowledge proofs with this, with the, you know, like they, they, they used to be called, uh, the magic moon math, uh, because it, it like, it feels like make, you know, like magic is, is when something works that seemingly should not. Right, like you, you open the box, and all of a sudden there is a rabbit in the box, and you don't expect this. This is the, like this is why people have this this all, all like feeling towards zero knowledge proofs. Like you can prove an execution of like millions of operations, and you can verify it in in like just a few simple arithmetic operations on the elliptic curve, or on you know like on, on just in primary fields, and just like very basic math gives you a result which proves that you know like. A ton of work has been done, like very asymmetrically, uh, and 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 with very high degree of probability, you can be sure that this is correct. And when I say high degree of probability, it's astronomic probability. So it's it's basically like you have a guarantee that it's correct. So um, that's our contribution. Scale. We just make Ethereum scalable to like our our ultimate mission is um, to get us to unlimited scale, to boundless scalability. And this has a very precise definition, like keeping all the other properties as they are, security, trustlessness, resilience, um, uh, censorship resistance, permissionlessness. We need to get to a point 
in like basically we're building the internet so we need to to be like the internet the internet is not limited by like you can have like 1000 users simultaneously accessing the website it doesn't make sense right like you you should be able to add more servers more hardware more routers more internet connections to extend it basically you know like without any limits this is what we're building with zk sync you cannot achieve it with a monolithic blockchain it's just physically not possible you cannot you can't imagine internet all of the websites and services and and databases of the internet running on one single server right or even on in one single data center that that's not feasible you you, you need more in a similar way what we're building is going to be like this network of extensible blockchains but then fully seamlessly interconnected just like email you know like you have your address on one domain and you can send email to any other address on any other domain and it works like point to point you don't have like additional overhead in in, in terms of effort you need to do to send this email or trust assumptions or like you know you don't have to pay extra or wait much longer Absolutely. And I love your point on kind of choosing Ethereum because if the Ethereum ecosystem shares your values. And I think that that's a really important point for listeners to double click into because it is important, right? And as you think about building in the space or joining a project in the space, make sure that the projects have the values that Alex outlined because it really is crucial to to the movement and, and how far you'll go, you'll go and the network effects you'll build. Uh, so with that, you know, I want to get to the ZKC launch in a moment. But before we do, I want to double click because there's many founders that are listening. You did an incredible fundraise. You brought in a lot of top VCs. And I know that you turned a couple VCs that were originally no's that maybe passed on the deal into yeses. Tell us how you did that. Uh, very simple. We shipped. So basically, we, we, we went to Andreessen Horowitz and we uh, pitched the idea of building a ZKVM. We said, like, we believe this is possible, like from going from where we are with application specific rollups, very rigid, just doing one function to deploy any contract that you can write uh, for Ethereum. And they passed. And we were like, we were shocked because we thought the pitch is very strong. And then we back channeled and it turned out that they asked Dan Bonet. The probably the most significant cryptographer, the most highly quoted cryptographer living today in the world. And he said, this is not feasible. This will take like five years. And this is why they passed. And we were like, okay, so what? So we built the first prototype and half a year later, we showed them the prototype. And they're like, oh, and then, so then they organized a meeting with Dan Bonet. And then we explained the idea to him. We explained how we did this. What's the trick? Like, what, what are the, the you know, like, heuristic, uh, certain design decisions that we took that enabled us to go from this highly inefficient uh, in performance-wise zero-knowledge-proof protocols that we had back then to building this solution. And he was like, oh, this makes a ton of sense. And we're like, of course it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and then they, uh, they, they, we closed this round without a pitch deck. You want to work on the problem that, that is that people want to be to see solved and you want to ship your one you need to demonstrate that that you can do it and that you can do it better than than existing solutions 
Totally. And it's not just shipping, but it's also updating and, and having that persistence to kind of go back and continue communicating, which, you know, hats off to you for, for doing. Amazing. So tell us about the recent launch. How did it go? Any lessons learned? Uh, well, we're very excited. We are now the third largest L2 on Ethereum in terms of TVL. We're very uh, uh, humbled by the such a broad interest from the user community, from from developer community, from all the people who are building on ZK Sync. And uh, like, th- there is a grassroots movement around. Like, you know, like there, I, I see lots of accounts on on the on Twitter, like explaining, like sharing materials, explaining how ZK Sync works, explaining like how features. Uh, architecture is, is is functional we get in touch with them like i'm i'm, I'm very impressed um we have uh very high uh, transaction volumes we are actually number two most used l2 on ethereum as of today for the for the past month for the entire month we i think if you go to l2b.com um, you will uh, and click on activity you, you can see that i think we are at uh 17 million transactions versus Arbitrum has 25 million transactions last month and everyone else is like below eight, um, uh, which is very interesting because like those transactions are not cheap today. You still have to pay for the data availability to Ethereum, which is very non-negligible. Like the transaction costs somewhere between like 30 cents and maybe $3, depending on the gas fluctuations on Ethereum. So this costs will go down a lot. We are working on on lowering them further from where they are today, and we will in 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 the very short term you will see like significant updates to this. On top of that, Ethereum itself is working on the solution called uh, EAP four eight four four or like proto dunk sharding, which will lower the costs for all rollups for all L twos by um, I don't know like by by an order of magnitude at least by like ten times or twenty five times. We we will see how exactly. But the costs will, will go down. It will be more cheap, even more cheap. And so we'll see probably a lot more users and use cases and activity. And this is a very exciting thing. So like Ethereum is clearly on the rise with, with all the L2s and, and specifically with ZK Sync. Absolutely. And with that, do you think that ZK rollups will flip optimistic rollups like what Arbitrum and Optimism are using? I think that eventually and a very in the very near term, Everyone will be able to see the like the the abyss between the the what what optimistic rollups and what zk rollups are capable to offer. So I think in the long term, um, it, it's likely that we'll mostly have zk rollups on Ethereum. Like maybe optimistic projects will pivot at some point. Like it will take them a long time. It's not trivial. Like it's it's not that you can just like take an optimistic engine and supplement it by zk. You have to actually rearchitect. You know, like it's like uh, if you're building building a zeppelin and you want to add a jet engine to it, then you actually need to get rid of this this big thing and add wings and the proper um, uh, you know like air uh, design. And it, it's not trivial. Like you you have to rework things from from um, ground up. But that is necessary for them. I think they they all realize by now, like many, many of the optimistic roller projects realize that they fulfill a very important function today, but tomorrow they will have to leave uh, uh, way to to ZK rollups. Just just because the properties that ZK rollups give you, like the lower latency of transactions, much, much lower cost for a lot of use cases, uh, much higher security, much better bridgeability, this extensibility of the network where you can go, you know, like building uh, what we call hyper chains, 
um, the the like you know other L2s and L3s that are all interconnected is only seamlessly possible with ZK rollups. So from all these perspectives, like ZK rollups are, and, and we have not even started talking about ZK Porter and, and data availability problem, which offers another dimension of, of discussion, which we probably don't want to go now because it's going to be very te deeply technical. But like, it will be just just in the very short term, it will be obvious how more powerful ZK rollups are. Absolutely. And I want to get into how the different layer twos will work together in a moment. But before we do, just maybe for a founder listening who's about to go through a launch, can you give your top three pieces of advice of what you would give to them, just given that you went through it? That's a really good question. I would just uh, do a lot of things, you know, like fo focus on the problem, start with the right problem, pick the right problem in the right market. That's that's going to be the single most important decision you make that will affect you much more than any other fluctuations inside the market. And like even even your like, you know, like if you are building a uh, orange uh, stand, like, you know, like orange juice stand, then like no matter how much effort you put in, you're never going to build something that affects like one million people. Right. So the, the market and the problem are the most critical pieces. So that would be advice to myself like 10 years ago when I was doing other startups. Um, and from there, I would focus on building and get, you know, like there, there are um, two types of people like um, Nassim Taleb, which who I highly recommend, like all of his books, even though he's, he's a little bit of a difficult personality and like you can feel it throughout the books, but he has brilliant ideas. Um, he says like, <laughs> there are like very, very undiplomatically, uh, there are builders and there are BS sellers, right? So like as a founder, you want to surround yourselves by builders. You want your team to be mostly, like at least in this initial phase, to be mostly focused on, on building stuff, on getting things done, on getting people who have this mentality of like, I'm just going to sit down and do it no matter what. You know, like they, they, some, some somewhat like this reality distortion field that was attributed to Steve Jobs. Like there are some people like, like they don't see obstacles. They just believe they can get it they go and get it and they eventually somehow it gets done so you want those people and you don't want a lot of them you want a few and just focus on the problem and, and build something and demonstrate that you can do stuff this is what worked for me and i i uh what i can recommend from my experience i love that and the best of us are difficult personalities at times uh and so you know there's base there's optimism there's arbitron polygon evm how will these layer twos work together uh, as we kind of develop into the future from your standpoint? Oh, we, we all have kind of friendly relationships. We meet at conferences, we, we discuss things, we, we cooperate on the standards, on the, um, the way we uh, like, you know, like do contributions to Ethereum. So for example, we were working on the uh, account abstraction piece and uh, Ethereum uh, uh, core team uh, proposed the idea of uh, AP4337 we took it as a base, we worked on it, we made some contributions. We actually had more freedom at ZK Sync to develop it in, in you know, like we, to build it as a native protocol. So we had less limitations than, uh, than the Ethereum core team. But some of the things we built were they really liked and they, they took it back to, to the protocol like upstream and they found their way to, to the canonical uh, 457 implementation. And other uh, L2 teams are doing the same thing. So like I, I see a lot of cooperation going on. Eventually, we're all going to win when Ethereum wins and the users win as a result of this competition of ideas and, 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 and also co cooperation and common contribution. So like by 
the uh, I'm I'm very positive and optimistic on on this side. Um, in terms of like how the, uh, the these protocols work together, like what what's going to happen to the protocols? Well, we'll see some applications deploying on 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 some of them, some applications deploying on all of them, and then the users choosing what's best for them in terms of the feature set, the cost of transactions, the latency, security properties, and, and other considerations. So I think it's going to be a very healthy dynamics of like figuring out what works best. And then talking about competitive positioning, how does uh, ZK Sync compare to Starkware and Polygon EVM? Uh, so with uh, Starkware, I think it's very different. Starkware is like generally like somewhat aside from all the other L2 scaling solutions that, that are now popular because they're not really EVM compatible. And even though there are some projects building uh, like EVM-ish compatible things on, on, on Stark.net, uh, it's not going to be natively, you know, like native part of the protocol. It's going to be like on top of of Cairo, on top of uh, of, of the other ecosystem. So they're building their own ecosystem with their own uh, fan base, and, and they're experimenting with this new language, which is interesting. But like, it, it's just a part. So there is the EVM world and 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 Starknet. So I'm not going to talk about that much. Uh, in the EVM world, we are taking the um, the technology furthest along the innovation line so from from all the from all the uh from all these projects we are kind of taking the most radical approach on like let's imagine what we can build on l2 that you cannot otherwise build on ethereum and that you cannot build with you know like what superpowers do we get from the uh, from this beautiful zero knowledge proofs which um, others protocol, other protocols are, are not quite doing. Like what I see them doing is focusing much more on backwards compatibility. If you look at Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, Scroll, they all emphasize this like backwards facing, like let's support EVM to the, on the bytecode level. Let's support all the opcodes exactly as, like everything should work exactly as, uh, as it works on layer one, which has value. Because like it, it has a lot like it, it lowers the friction for developers. It gives you kind of like certain security guarantees on on certain types of applications. Uh, it it makes things easier to debug. Like some tooling will work on on this kind of application, which will not work on ZK Sync. Um, but in doing that, they are kind of missing out on the opportunity to innovate. So like one example is account abstraction, which we do natively, which means that. All accounts are account abstractable. Like all accounts are smart on ZK Sync. Whether you have, like you can have a MetaMask and you can still have a multi-call, like it's possible to build an application with multi-call or with um, uh, using paymasters so that the, the protocol is going to be paying for you. So you can have gasless transactions with MetaMask or you can have transactions where you're paying in any token not just in the in a specific one, not not in Ether or Matic or like some some ZK Sync token, whatever. You can choose like you, you know if you only have Dai or USDC and you want to make a simple payment, why should you bother of getting some other tokens and and, and using them? Like you should be able to just pay in, in you know like a fraction of a cent. If this is how we onboard one million users or like the next one billion users to the ecosystem, where like they they don't even think about it as a blockchain. They don't think like, oh, this is blockchain, so I have to like download this. You know, like a friend of mine, uh, I, I can give you a more specific problem. Like, he 
was paid in crypto. He was promised he did some consulting work and he got 1000 USDC as a result of this work. So he was told like, you need to create a Ethereum account. So he was like, okay, like he created something I don't remember, like was it Trust Wallet or, or MetaMask. He, he got that, he got the address, he gave the address to the employer, they sent him 1000 USDC. And then he, he said to me like, okay, how, how do I like, how do I get it to my bank account and start paying for things? And I said, okay, you have to send it to an exchange. He said, I tried to send it to an exchange, but it says that I don't have enough funds to send it. But like, how, how is it possible? I have $1,000 there. And I had to explain to him that, well, this is not quite there. You, you need to like, convert this to Ether and then you have to pay this gas in Ether. And this is how it works. He said, like, I know, I know. I've been told that already. So I tried to convert it to, from USDC to Ether. But it said I cannot convert it because I don't have Ether. How do I get Ether in the first place? You know, like th th this, this kind of cash 22 situation is like, you can't really onboard 1 billion people if you have UX like this. It has to be like seamless. On ZK Sync, it will be seamless. You just go and you, you, you go to Uniswap and you convert from uh, USDC to whatever you want, or, or you just make a payment and you pay like 5 cents, 5 USDC cents for this transaction or whatever the amount is, right? Like, this is just one example where Innovate. The other examples are coming very soon with, uh, with um, you know, like the, the differences in the architecture, how we're working with data availability, the differences in how we process transactions. Like we're not using Geth, for example. So we're not gonna get, have all the limitations of Geth. We built a new, full client, like full, full node from scratch in Rust, which is a lot more performant, has a lot of other properties that, that you cannot get from, from the old technology. So like this is, this is our positioning. We are the most future-proof, future-compatible, if you want, chain from all the L2s on Ethereum in the EVM camp. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you're focused on new use cases within the ZK Sync ecosystem. Can you tell us a little bit about what those use cases are? What What are you excited about? Uh, sure. So the uh, with with the count abstraction, like one one very basic use case is just to have a smart wallet that is not depending on a seed phrase and that you can use to uh, to make normal payments and like basically that is acting as your your bank. Um, the, then there are, uh, you know, like we, we, we're not doing something that is, um, outside of like what's, what's generally possible on blockchain. So like the, the use cases are around things that, that, that you're familiar with in, or in the areas of DeFi, NFTs, uh, identity, uh, we will have a lot of really interesting things with privacy because privacy will come much, much cheaper on ZK Sync than on any other L2s, uh, for like EVM compatible L2s that, that are using call data and not state diffs. Because on ZK Sync, you don't have to pay for publishing zero knowledge proofs. You only pay for verifying them. And this is, this, this is cheap. This is going to be like a fraction of a cent. So you will be able to natively build applications that take advantage of the, uh, this like na native out of the box support for zero knowledge proofs. And so we work also not, not just with blockchain or crypto native projects. We work a lot with the traditional enterprises. And I was surprised by the degree of interest we get from the, uh, from the banks and of, you know, like from the most innovative countries in the world, like Switzerland and, and Singapore and UK, uh, from big, uh, corporations, from, from big payment providers, from, uh, 
supply chain companies like who are now looking, they, they realized now that all the previous attempts of building their own intranets of blockchains failed. And they want to be on Ethereum. They want to be part of this global emerging internet of value. And that's the only way how you can actually like build stuff as, as though it was not obvious after the, the, the internet adoption. Uh, and they are looking for L2s because obviously they cannot do it on L1. Like for, for the use cases that they bring, they, they need millions of people and millions and hundreds of millions of transactions per second, eventually, cumulatively, the total throughput. So like we have a full spectrum of, of these use cases. Yeah, permission blockchains don't work. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, amazing. And tell us a little bit about how privacy will work on ZK Sync. So as I said, we are focusing on the scalability. We're building the IP layer of this protocol, of, of this Internet of Value. Someone else has to build SSL or HTTPS on top of this IP protocol, right? Uh, our job is to make sure that the computation and data availability are properly structured to incorporate the, the private. Like privacy is very computationally and data intense. So you need, like the data has to come kind of for free. It, it should not go on chain. It, it should be in, like embedded in your transaction and then discarded. And computation has to be extremely cheap so that you can process not only privacy, you know, like the, there are there are more cases that are enabled by, by ZK, like think um, fully homomorphic encryption and uh, multi-party computation and uh, machine learning, like ZKML, where, where things will be like eventually, like not today, like this is very early, but maybe that, that's why it's very interesting, uh, where you will be able to, to like put AI on blockchain and prove that certain things are computed in, in uh, you know, like the the outputs of this AI computations are what people actually like want them to be, and they were not manipulated because otherwise you cannot see it from like, you can distinguish the truth from from fake today with with all these powerful technologies. Um, so, like our job is to empower builders to create those protocols with really really cheap transactions and very high throughput. That is what we're focusing on. And how will that look in a world where we have privacy? Because I feel like a big reason why DeFi took off was because of the transparent nature to DeFi. So how do you envision that kind of evolving once we have the ability to have private transactions? I don't see a contradiction. I think that you will have, uh, you know, like I, I saw really interesting protocols where you have private accounts held in the, in the kind of this private pool which is opaque and not visible from, from outside, like you can transact privately there. But then those accounts can actually go on um, on the DeFi and, and interact with DeFi um, in a way that the, just no one knows who, who made this interaction. So obviously you will see on chain that someone has swapped 10 Ether for USDC on, on Uniswap, but you will not know who. And then those people will be able to like, you know, like you go, they, they will be able to go and pay a merchant on the street from their, from their wallet without disclosing to the merchant what's the amount on their wallet, which, which is like, it, it, otherwise it's not feasible. Like you can, you cannot have a Twitter for your bank account, right? And, and just publicize to everyone, to, to all the world, how much assets you have, all the purchases you made, who you transact with, who, where you get your salary from, what's your, like all of that has to remain private. Now, you have regulatory challenges around that, how you keep it from the from like far from abuse so that you don't have you don't get in a situation of tornado cash. 
And I have seen some proposals. I don't know what the eventual solution is going to be. It's, I think it's too early to comment, but I, I see people innovating and trying different approaches. I think some of them will work because like, you need to keep full privacy and it's inevitable that there will be some abuse. I mean, how, how much abuse is it going on with cash on the streets? But like you don't ban cash because of that. So, or how many people are, uh, I don't know, like criminals use the cars to get to the, to the, to the uh, spot of, of crime. But like you don't ban cars because of that. So you, you just want to make sure that the, this, the good use cases that everyone like realizes that are good are dominant, that we have a lot more good things going on on blockchain than bad things. And then it's, yeah, I think it's going to be acceptable for, the, for everyone that you, you need privacy. It just, it won't work otherwise. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a, a fundamental human right privacy. And you mentioned that there are new dApps that have emerged on ZK Sync. Can you tell us about those? Maybe some dApps that aren't on other chains? I, I just don't want to, um, you know, like to call out some of them and, and not call the others and give favors here. We can like, we, we, we have a, a comprehensive list of projects that are deploying. We have a, an ecosystem page where we, we, we do our best to like, Enable everyone to uh, to to put their their project there. Uh, I would encourage people to go to ecosystem.zksync.io and, and you will see the um, you you will check it for yourself. Fair enough. And then talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that you've had to overcome while heading towards the the launch. Oh, towards the launch, we mostly had just engineering work, so it was like we we were we had to focus. We had to speak less publicly because we needed like every, you know, like it's hard to hire engineers who are good and we have a very high bar at Matter Labs. So it's like we are uh, over 100 people now and it's it, it, it's hard to hire more people. So um, we needed everyone who can code to code and to really focus on that. And, and we, we kind of disappeared from the public discourse space for, for a few months. Um, which we had to do. So like the, the we, we will always be prioritizing shipping over talking. Like now we want to talk about things so we want to explain what we're building and we want to, to get people engaged and we will be doing that. But like the building things is, has a priority. Uh, the difficulties were like of technical challenge. You have to build things properly. Like there was, there is a huge responsibility on in terms of security building these protocols because it's like we we've launched on mainnet the very first zkvm no one has ever done that before it's a completely uncharted untested territory where you you know you have an entirely new vector of potential attacks on the system so you, you want to build uh like we can't afford a single security incident so we had to think out of the box like how we're going to protect it like not just building uh, you know, like investing a lot in, into thinking about how to design the system in a secure way and auditing it. And we spent more than, I think, any other L2. Uh, we, we spent a couple of million dollars on the audits with the, with the top-tier auditors and, and big security contests uh, from uh, crowdfunded public security. But that was not enough. We introduced additional in-depth protection measures, like in the initial period now, while the project has training wheels on, the withdrawals are kind of like delayed by by 24 hours. So that like, even if there is a, any compromise with like proof systems or the cryptography itself, like we still have time to intervene 
and and it takes some protective measures. Like there were there, there are other things. So like there was a lot of engineering and product work flowing into the system before it could be launched uh, fully publicly. A lot of testing, a lot of uh, iteration, like actual testing with with the public projects. Like we opened the network to developers a bit earlier than we opened it to the users. So the developers have time to test it in under real conditions on mainnet and also report problems and so we could calibrate and, and fix them and, and so on. So mostly like problems of this type. I I can't think of you know any, you know just, just growing the company has its own challenges which which every company at our stage faces. So nothing special there. Totally. And sequencing is so important. And how are you guys thinking about data availability? Will you use something like an eigenlayer or maybe a Celestia? So the eigenlayer is interesting. Uh, it's, it's just a very interesting idea for using Ethereum security. Uh, the, this is something we, we, we can consider. Celestia is um, basically, in terms of data availability, my understanding is it, it's it's um, it's competing somewhat with Ethereum itself because you have to be like in order to to create a native rollup on Celestia you have to kind of be your own layer one, which I think is hard to to accomplish. Like if if you use Celestia in the same way as Eigenlayer, it, which is the same way as as we design zk Porter, then it could make sense. But it it it's not really the um, in line with Celestia strategically like positioning themselves for so we, 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 we will we will be exploring that but in any case we will pick something that is most beneficial for for the ecosystem for i mean for the broader ecosystem we want to find way to to, to make it win-win for, for all parties mm-hmm, absolutely and when you look at the web3 stack what would you say is missing we have decentralized indexing we have decentralized storage are there any pieces that maybe listeners should think about building that are missing? Oh, uh, for sure, decentralized frontend and decentralized like de- the, like which is an obvious third component which is missing there. If you have decentralized frontend which can access decentralized indexing and decentralized uh, um, transaction network, then you've gone full circle. Then then you kind of have all around solution that is fully resilient. Um, Kind of, ha- we, we are very close there, right? Like we, you could own an ENS or unstoppable domain, which will point you to IPFS or, or RVIV. And with something like a Brave browser, you will be able to open the page without any servers. And then you have your um, your front end there. And then you, you could probably use uh, the graph for, for decentralized querying. I'm not sure what you would use for decentralized transaction sending. I don't think we are quite there yet in terms of like being able to actually transact from this application. And I think this is what breaks everything. And, and this is why very few people are doing this. Because what's the point of having decentralized sequencer, oh, sorry, decentralized uh, front end and decentralized back end with smart contracts, which have to go through a centralized API of Infura or Alchemy or like any other centralized uh, um, provider. So I think this kind of this provider layer decentralization the access to the the actual like nexus to blockchain is the missing part and once we nail that it, it's going to be i'm like we will we will build our the website for zk sync is going to be decentralized in this way so it will actually be owned by the community not by by a single organization it will there will be some kind of DAO that controls this ens domain 
And then the DAO decides what goes on this website and like kind of has a voting process with updates going through, I don't know, some delegation. Like, it's really interesting what you can do in, 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 in the governance field. It's a whole huge uh, area uh, um, you know, like of its own development, which I, I'm, I'm observing with, with great interest. Amazing. And when token, I know that that's a big question that many have for you. Uh, well, it's not something we're focusing on today because not it's that's not the burning problem. The burning problem is to build the technology that um, you, you know, the solve the immediate problems of the users. The moment token becomes necessary for the next the you know like for the next step for decentralizing things, for decentralizing the sequencer, for for decentralizing data availability, for doing all these things. Or like for even for governance, for like for making decisions, for giving it to the community. Like the moment it, it, it is necessary, you have to introduce it. But until then, like there are priorities which we have to focus on. Totally. And you know, do you have any alpha for the audience? Maybe when there is a token, what can they do to start thinking about how they can earn earn some of those tokens in the future? I would say like, you know, like I would rather ask a question like, what is in this network that I Kind of like that creates value for me, that that I can use that that re, like that actually provides value today. It feels to me like if if your only interest is is token and and kind of gaming system, for, it's it's not really the 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 match with our values. So like I, I don't know how to answer that question because it's it's not what I'm thinking about. Like I'm, I'm thinking about the 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 mission that we're building. The mission is to promote freedom for the world, like this individual freedom, empowering a single individual to have their own self-custody, self-control, self-ownership of, of their digital identity, digital assets, and doing this through building the, the systems. And like, it's, it's, it's a lot more interesting for me to talk about these things and, and, and to, to converse with people who are single-minded. Um, so... In any case, that's that's our focus for now. Totally. But I think one of the other good values about this space is that it is a meritocracy and you can get compensated commensurate to the value that you bring. So fair enough. I, I completely agree with you. But maybe for those listening who are values aligned with everything that you've shared in this podcast, how do you recommend they get involved? And obviously, you know, you have developers, but maybe for, for some that aren't developers, how can they get involved today? They can just explore the, the, the system. They can get engaged in our Discord. Uh, they can uh, engage in conversation on Twitter. They can um, propose things and think of like what's missing, provide feedback, provide, you know, like build, uh, be part of the community and, 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 and start a conversation about the governance, about the principles. How, like we, we, will, we will actually, we're, we're doing a lot more now in, um, we will be shifting the focus somewhat from the technology, from this product um, you know, area of uh, direction of do uh, what the governance and the community of the network is going to be long term and how we make it sustainable. So and we, so the, the, this is the conversation we want to start now, and I really encourage everyone to get in uh, become a participant in this conversation. Amazing. And the last question is, how are you defiant? The very mission that brought ZK Sync into existence is about defying the limitations of the current rigid structures of the, this old society and uh, groups of interest, protecting your rights and your own personal freedom. I think it's, it's like so 
in inherently, profoundly, through and through everything we're doing. Like I, 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 I won't be able to to add a uh, a better definition to it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. I really appreciate the time, Alex. Uh, thank you, Tegan. It was a pleasure for me, and really grateful to all the listeners and watchers. Mm-hmm.